do we really know that though? Sometimes we call on that name in vain, not recognizing what that name has done for us. Amen. And there's power in that name. Turn with me. We're going back to Genesis, the third chapter. And I'm going to start at verse 8 and end at verse 11. And we want to hear what God has to say unto his people on today. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through verse 11. And I will be reading out the expanded Bible. And the word of God reads, Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden during the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said, where are you? The man answered, I heard you walking in the garden, your voice, the sound. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God asked, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat fruit from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? You may be seated. I want to talk about fellowship with God. Last week we went, talked about the blood of Jesus and we're going to go more into that. But the blood of Jesus is what caused us to come back into fellowship, to come back into relationship with God. But I want to go back um, through Genesis because I believe that the more we go over this, the more um, light and illumination will we get from the word of God. The more you go back to the word of God, the more God will begin to show you things through the word. We have to read the word, not only read it, we have to study it and we have to meditate on it. Just because you read it don't mean you know it. Some people just read it and say they done something. You know, I read this morning, but what did you get out of what you read? Did the word speak to you when you were reading the word? So the more time you spend in the word, the more you're going to get out of the word. You just don't pick up the word of God, the word of life, and just lay it down. You go into the word because you know there's something in the word that God wants you to know. So when you get into the word, your heart want to be open and it want to be receptive to the things of God. You want to begin to turn your heart towards God and turn your heart away from the things of the world. So the more you get into the word and the more the word get into you, you can turn away from the things in the world. When we look back in Genesis, we know that everything God created was what? And after he finished, it was what? It was very good. So everything he created was good. And after he finished, he said it was very good. And the thing that I like about this was God did not create man until he finished creating everything that he needed to create for man. So after he created everything, he created man. And we know he created man in his likeness and in his image. They were spirit beings. And we know a spirit you cannot see. But God's purpose was, being that he had created everything the way he wanted it to be, he needed someone to keep what he had created. He needed someone to watch over what he had created. So what God had to do, he had to form a body from the dust of the ground. But that body was dead because it was just a shell. So God said, I'm going to have to blow my breath my life into that body for that body to become a living soul. So that body was dead without the breath and life of God. 
So when God blew the breath into that body, then it says that God put him into the Garden of Eden. When he put him into the Garden of Eden, he told him what he wanted him to do. He wanted him to guard it. He wanted him to keep it. He wanted him to work in that garden. Now, the work that God was giving him was not hard work because everything was good. Only thing he had to do was watch over what God had created. But God told the man, everything in this garden, every tree in this garden that's good, you can eat from the tree of life. The tree of life means that as long as you're eating from this tree, you can live forever. He said, but there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, I don't want you to eat from that tree. He said, the very day that you eat from that tree, he said, what's going to happen is you're going to experience death. He said, you shall surely die. That's a promise from God. He said, you shall surely die, meaning that it was not going to be a physical death. It was going to be a spiritual death. So God told Adam what he did not want him to do. He gave him that command. Adam heard that command. So we see two trees in that garden. We see a tree of life. We see a tree of death. Understand, like I said last Sunday, God put that tree in the garden. That tree was not created by Satan. That tree was created by God. God told them what he didn't want them to do because he gave them a choice. God has given all of us choices in life. What to do, what is right, what to do, what is wrong. He give us that choice. We have the right to make the right choice. But he tell us how to make it. In Deuteronomy 30, it says that I have set before you blessings and curses. He said, I have set before you life and death. He said, but I want you to choose life. Now, God don't just throw us out there without telling us what he wants for us. This is why we have to go in the word of God and know what God wants for his people. So there was a tree of life. There was a tree of death. God wanted them to choose that tree of life. He said, because if you eat from this tree, you will surely die. So there was a kingdom. There was two kingdoms here, a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. God give us the right to choose whom we're going to serve. He gives us that right. Nobody should take that right from you. Nobody should take your choice from you. You have your right to choose. Nobody should tell you this is what you're going to do or this is what's going to happen. No, you have a choice. So we want to choose according to the word of God. Just like our children, when we're bringing them up, we want them to make right choices. Their choices is based on what we teach them, what they learn from us. So this is why, as parents, we have to make the right choice. Everybody know what's right, even when you're a sinner. You know what's right, and you know what's wrong. Come on, somebody. How do I know this? When you go try for your license, you have to study the laws of the land. You have to know that when you see a stop sign, help me, somebody, it means stop. You cannot tell me that stop don't mean stop. If a person don't stop, it's because they're disobeying the law, because they get in a hurry or they just choose not to stop. So everybody has a choice to abide by what? The law of the land. If you do not abide by the law of the land, there are some consequences. That's how it is with God. God set everything the way he wanted it to be set. When we don't abide by what God want us to do, then guess what? Evil is present. 
So what we're doing, we're serving evil instead of serving God. God gave them everything that they needed in that garden. There was nothing missing. There was nothing broken. So when I was cleaning yesterday, all of a sudden it hit me. I said, wow, God. I said, not to have any worries. Have y'all ever thought about this? Going through life, and you can do this, but when you think about it, in the garden, they had no worries. None. They didn't even think about worrying. It wasn't even a part of them. Worry was not even a part of them, y'all. So they had no worries. So I want you to sit and think about the things that we think about and we begin to worry about. We think about little simple stuff like, I'm out of Captain Crunch. It, it's supposed to last me for a whole week till I get paid. Come on, somebody. Do we not think about cereal? Or we think about chicken, or we think about different things, deodorant. We think about things that's supposed to last until we get paid again. So when we go in the kitchen and the churn, the kids or the grown adults have eaten all your Captain Crunch. You just bought it Monday and it's out on Tuesday. That wasn't part of the budget. So you begin to worry. How am I going to replace that Captain Crunch? Because that wasn't a part. Now, some of us don't budget. But some of us do look at things in that way. That's supposed to last this long because we take a box of Captain Crunch and we know if you get this size bowl, you know how many bowls you can get within that family. Everybody can get a bowl of cereal. And I want to tell you, Captain Crunch don't fill you up. No, it doesn't. So you, you worry about little things like that. Or you worry about, okay, if you adjust that heat any higher, help me somebody. I got my light bill set where it need to be set. These lights better be turned out at this certain time. Or better yet, turn it all off and turn on the heater. Come on, somebody. I need my light bill to be this at this point. Because I know where it was last month, so I want to keep it there this month. So when you turn around and you see a little bit of light, turn it off. Worry. Right? Because the first thing you see is that light bill shooting up. Come on. Or if you got a water bill, some of you don't have one. But if you got one and you hear the water steady running in the sink, what's wrong with you? You going crazy? Why is that water still running? You begin to worry because you begin to see the water bill go up. So we have worries, don't we? Some of you sitting there like you don't know what I'm talking about. Right? Some of you sitting there like, I never thought about that. I'm going to tell you why you never thought about that. Because you got some money somewhere. And you don't mind wasting what you have. You got a little bit of money to waste. So you don't worry about if they run the water or if they turn on all the lights or if they do this, that, or the other. You don't worry about that because the money is there. But when the money start acting a little funny, now you want them to turn off lights you never told them to turn off. Now you want them to turn off water that they never turned off now you worried about the captain crunch because your money is acting a little bit of funny because you ain't been to work for a full pay period 
worry. Come on. We all have worries in some type of area. Or we worry about our children. Come on, when they're in our lap or when we can follow their every move move, or tell them what to do, we're more calm. Because they're in the house with you. But as they get older and they begin to venture out, you begin to worry more because you don't know what they're getting into. Now, you don't have no more control over their lives because they have the right to choose. Right? So they're out with friends. They're doing this, that, or the other. So you sitting home having all these images in your mind of who they left with. You begin to do what? Worry. But guess what? Adam and Eve in this garden didn't have none. Can, can, come on now. Let's just stop and think about this right now. No worry. No worry. Didn't have to think about nothing like that because every only thing they thought was good. Everything was good. There was no bad there. No worry. Have you ever thought about or have you ever been in a situation, maybe for a whole week, everything was running so smooth and you can do jumping jacks. You can say hallelujah. You can say thank you, Jesus. You can do this, that, or the other. You can go buy stuff and don't have to look at the price tag. You're so happy because you feel like there's no worries. But then all of a sudden a bill come out of nowhere and you don't spend all the money. Worry. They didn't have this. They were at peace. They were at shalom. They had nothing to worry about. They had no sickness. They had nothing like that to worry about. They were carefree. Because God created it that way. Everything was so, so good. The enemy knew this. The enemy knew that they had a choice. The enemy knew that they had a right to choose. So the enemy had to come in and help them to choose evil instead of choosing good, instead of choosing the life that God had given them. How did the enemy do this? He had to take their mind off of what was good. He had to deceive them and he had to go back to the very thing God told them. Now, look, he didn't touch the tree of life. He didn't mess with that tree because he know that's where life is in that tree. He touched the tree of knowledge of good and evil because he said when they eat from that tree, that's when evil is going to be present forever. So what did he do to Eve? He deceived Eve. He had to put her mind on that tree for as a man thinketh in his heart. So is he. So does he become. So he had to have Eve to put her eyes upon that tree. He had her to think about how pleasant that tree was. He had the, what was it, the lust of the flesh. He had Eve to think that she didn't have enough. She needed more. Come on, she had everything, her and Adam. But the devil had to turn it around and say, have God really said, you cannot eat from that tree. Come on, have you heard the enemy say that in your life? When God is telling you what not to do and he'll turn around and say, have God really said you can't do that? Have God really said that? So this is what he was doing. He was planting a seed of doubt in her mind because he wanted them to think they did not have enough. They needed more. How many of us know that God will supply all of our needs? Needs. 
God know what we're in the need of before we what? Ask. So God already know what we need, but guess what? There's some things we want that we don't need. Is that not right? It's some things that we want that we don't need, but we get them because we want them. And how many know when we get them, we don't even mess with them like we need to. It's just because we wanted them. That's with food. That's with clothes. That's with anything. We get it because we want it, not because we need it. It's not that I need it. I just want it. Why do I want it? Because I saw somebody else with it. Or it come on the television or I've heard it through the airwaves and I begin to think about, wow, I could use that. I'm going to go somewhere. God gave Adam everything that he needed. But he recognized Adam needed a helpmate, didn't he? So God even gave Adam that helpmate. Everything we need is right here in the beginning of Genesis. Everything we need to go on to build upon is right here in the book of Genesis. How many men know you have a wife? I ain't hear nothing over there. See, I can't, that you're always open. So God knew that Adam needed a wife, right? So when you got a wife, why do you want somebody else? Oh, I'm going somewhere. Still talking about the tree. Men, when you got a wife, why are you looking for another? I'm going to tell you why. Because a thought had to be put in your head. That what you got ain't enough. I'm going back. I'm still talking about the tree. I'm still talking about the enemy. Come on, we get a wife. We say, men say, I love my wife. Oh, I love my wife. I'll do anything for my wife. But the enemy began to put another tree before you. And that tree that he put before you don't look like your wife used to look. Oops. So the enemy will say, don't she look good? Then you look at her and you look at your wife and you look back at her and you look back at your wife. And when you keep looking at her, you leave your wife out and you go to. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. And pride of life. That wife ain't good enough no more. Because you don't look at another tree for too long. You begin to look at that tree. You begin to think about how that tree would do you. How good that tree has been treating you versus how your wife been treating you. But you have a command in the word of God concerning marriage. But the enemy wants you to focus on what don't belong to you. And the more focus you put on what don't belong to you, that's what you're going to gravitate to. Come on, it's, it's with anything. The enemy going to take your focus off of what you already have. And he's going to put your focus on what he believe you need. If God supplied everything that we need, why do we want more? It's because what we focus on. 
It's because of what we believe we should have. Not that God don't want us to have nice things, y'all. But God does not want those things to have us. When you know what you have, why are you seeking for more? It's because you're not satisfied. And the reason why you're not satisfied is because you're not in that place you need to be with God. The more you get in that place with God, nothing can replace him. Nothing or no one. So this is why even before marriage, when God had Adam there, God was in fellowship with Adam. God was communing with Adam. Eve hadn't come in the picture yet, even though she was already a part of Adam. So Adam had to have that fellowship, that relationship with God outside of Eve. The problem with us is we grab any and everything and anybody because we're not in the place we need to be with God. Until we get in that place with God, we're going to take anything and we're going to say it's good, but everything that's good ain't good. Just because a person act good don't mean they're good. He said there's no one that's good. So we have to be careful just because, women, you got a man that's treating you better than anyone has ever treated you before. That don't mean he's going to continually treat you that way. He can set a trap to get you, and then once he got you, hey, come on. You don't treat me the way you used to treat me. You don't act the way you used to act. He got you now. Why do he have to do anything better? So we see what happened. I'm getting where I'm going. So they had everything that they need. So sometimes we need to stop and we need to say, God, do I really need that or do I want it because I can get it? Y'all, we got so many things in our homes that we don't even use. We just buy it. And it sit there. And then when we pick it up and we hear the Holy Spirit say donate it or give it. Oh, no. I ain't got no use out of that. There's still tags on that. I can't give that to nobody because that's selfish mode. We're looking at what we have. Some things that we have when we buy them don't really belong to us. They could belong to somebody else, but God is having you to buy them until it's time for you to release it to someone else. That's why we need to stay in fellowship with the father. So we'll know what the father requires. So we know what happened. They were naked and they were not ashamed. Right. But as soon as they ate from that tree, their eyes opened. their eyes open unto what evil. So they were knowing good as well as evil. So when their eyes open, I'm getting to verse eight. They heard God. There was the sound of God walking in that garden. So that mean that they were in fellowship with God. But when they heard him walking in that garden, they began to hide from God. That's when they lost that fellowship because guess what? Sin can't stand in the presence of God. So they hid from God. So that's where I'm going. They hid from God and God asked them. And I want you to understand what God asked this man. He said, where are you? Y'all, come on. God knew where he he was. That was not what God was saying. When he asked, where are you? God is all knowing. He already knew the man hid himself. He already knew what he'd done. But the reason why God asked him this is because God was letting him know you out of fellowship. You in the sin. Do you know where you are now? That's what God was asking. 
But see, when we look at that verse, we're saying God is looking for Adam. God knew where Adam was. God was letting him know, do you know where you are? Come on, you're out of fellowship with me, buddy. I want you to recognize where you are. You are hiding from me. Where are you? We need to recognize where we are when we are out of fellowship. And I'm going to get to out of fellowship with God. I'm going to explain that. So he asked him, where are you, Adam? And then the man answered, I heard you walking. He said, and was afraid because I was naked. And then God get to the point about, after he said, where are you? Who told you you were naked? You ate from that tree I told you not to eat from. But guess what? God already knew what was going to happen before it happened. So God already had a plan in place. God is a merciful God. He's a loving God. And in spite of what we do, God already has something in place before we do it. That's just how God is. So getting to the point, I want to get to the point of how they lost fellowship. But the first thing they lost was their relationship. A relationship is a connection, and it's through blood or marriage, or it's through association, how we associate, you know, together, and we build a relationship. So the first thing they lost was their relationship, their connection with God. How did they lose it? When they ate from the tree, the spirit of God that was in them had to depart from them. The life of God had to depart from them, so their spirit was a dead spirit. So that was the connection of being connected to God. Because the Bible tells us that he who is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. They were no longer joined to the Lord. They were no longer connected to him. Just like in um, with parents and children, that's a blood we're connected through a relationship, the, the dad, the daughters, the dad, the sons, the mother, the daughters, the, the mother, the sons. That's a relationship. And guess what? With that relationship that they have, it cannot be broken. But guess what can happen in the natural with that relationship? The fellowship can. Why? Because you're gonna all, that's going to always be um, the son. That's going to always be the daughter. Because it's through blood, right? It's through that. But the fellowship is lost, and that's what I'm going to get to. So we know their relationship was broken, the fellowship was broken, and that had to be restored. So the way that God had to restore this is through the blood of Jesus. There was nobody else that could restore this relationship or this fellowship with God except for Jesus because he who was who knew no sin became sin for us so we can become the righteousness of God through him so the only way we can stand before God is to accept Jesus as what as our Lord and as our Savior so when we go back to a relationship we'll say in a marriage when people get married they have a relationship and through that relationship that they have the more they communicate the more they have participation one with another, they are fellowshipping. Just like all of us in here, we're fellowshipping one with another. We don't want to forsake coming together. We don't want to forsake gathering together because we're coming into fellowship. We're coming in participation. We're getting the same word. We're coming on one accord. We're being in union with, with each other. The enemy does not want that. 
The enemy want broken fellowship because he know when you have broken fellowship, you will not know what you have from God. So we looked at Adam and Eve and we see what happened with them. That fellowship was broken. That relationship was broken. But we know the moment that we accept what Jesus have done, his death, burial, and resurrection, it puts us back into relationship with God. It connects us with God. That's why it says in the word of God that we have to be born of the spirit and not of the flesh. That's what connects us with the family of God. And being that we're connected with the family of God, we have everything that God has. We are an heir of God. We are co-heir with who? With Jesus Christ. So we have to know what we have. We have a what? A new identity. Some of y'all say, I know this. But the point of the matter is, if you know this, you should be living by what you know. We always say we know something, but our lives does not reflect what we know. We know that, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We know the spirit is what has what? Become new. That spirit is what got born again. The soul, it did not get saved. It did not get born again. It has to be renewed, what? On a daily basis. The more we renew our mind according to the word of God, the more we connect to the spirit of God, and it flows out to our body, and we can live according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. So let's get back to this fellowship and why it's so important to deal with fellowship. When they lost this fellowship before, when God would come into that garden in the cool of the day, they can talk to God. They can stand before God. They can commune. They can be in union. They can be in intimacy. Y'all just think about this. I'm I'm going back to marriage again because I believe it's going to help a lot of people. Before we got, before me and my husband got married, it was me. I was in fellowship with my dad, with my sisters, with my brother, we was in fellowship. We had a relationship, we were in fellowship. Now, once I got married with my husband and I spent time with my husband, it did not mean that I didn't have fellowship with my siblings or with my dad, but I had more fellowship with my husband because we were in the same house. We began to get intimate. We began to talk. We began to share. We began to be on one accord. So that fellowship helped me to know him even the more and helped him to know me even the more. Meaning that when something was going on to me with me, being that he know me so well because of the relationship and the connection that we have in marriage, he began to say, what's going on with you? Now, I can say nothing is going on with me, but being that he'd been with me for 30-some years, he know something is not right because I know your demeanor. I know how you act. I know what you like. I know what you dislike. I know what's going on with you. That's because of that relationship, that connection through marriage, and it's because we have fellowship so much. He know when I'm quiet. There's two kinds of quietness, y'all. Y'all know that, right? There's total silence, right? You're just quiet. And a quietness is like a stillness. Just like in the room, y'all are so quiet. Are you listening? Are you paying close attention? That's a quietness, right? Because you're listening, you're paying close attention. But there's a quietness within within a person that presents worry. Did y'all not know that? Kim can sit and she can be quiet. And Jamie knows it's a normal quiet, and then there's a worry quiet. 
How would he know the difference? A normal quiet is, Kim is quiet, she's carefree. A worry quiet would be if he asked her a question, what? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I just asked you, everybody know the difference. So a person know you by the, the, the time that they spend with you. So the more time we spend with God, the more time we're in fellowship with God, just like Adam and Eve, he, he spoke with them. He communed with them. They had that intimacy together, but it was broken through sin. So what God is telling us today is we need to know him. I mean, truly know him and not saying I know about him. But we need to truly have that instant intimacy with him where nobody can fool us when it comes to him. And that takes time through the word of God. The enemy does not want you in the word of God because the more you get into the word and the word get into you, your life is going to reflect where you've been. Some of us say we've been there, but our attitudes haven't changed. Our love for other people haven't changed. Our gossip haven't changed. See, when you're in the midst of God, things begin to change because you're in fellowship with him. You're having that intimacy with him. You're having those conversations with him, and it gets so good, you're his sheep, and you know his voice. And the stranger's voice won't be able to fool you. The reason why we're so fooled when it comes to things is because we're not able to recognize his voice because our fellowship is not where it needs to be with him. And I want you to know your fellowship, now that you're in Christ and your relationship, cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. Even if you mess up, that fellowship and relationship doesn't change. Why? Because Jesus dealt with the barrier that was separating us from God, that was keeping us from going to God. That's why we can go to the throne of grace to find mercy in our time of need and we can go there in confidence because no matter what I do or when I do it, it's not going to break my fellowship or my relationship with God because he has forgiven me for past, present, and future sins. The enemy does not want you to know that. What the enemy wants you to know is he's saying Every time you mess up, ask for forgiveness. I don't have to ask for forgiveness because I have been forgiven. But the reason why I confess my sin is because it won't be a barrier between me and God. God has forgiven you. But the enemy wants you to feel like you're not forgiven. Why? Because he don't want you to have that fellowship with God the way you need to have that fellowship with God. There was a, a, a king in the Bible that was Josiah in 2 Kings 22. And Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And Josiah, he did everything that was right in the eyes of the Lord. But one day, Josiah had the book of law to be read unto him. And this book of law that was read unto him was all God's commands. And he found out that the ancestors, they did not do what God commanded. They began to serve other gods. They began to do things outside of what God commanded. So when Josiah heard this, Josiah began to repent before the Lord. He began to tear down altars. He began to have the word read in front of the people, letting the people know this is God's way of doing and this is what we're going to do 
is God's way. So that's fellowship. So when you go into the word of God and you hearing what the word of God has to say, you're going into fellowship with him. So you, you're going to carry out what the word of God is saying. So when you're not carrying out what the word of God is saying, that means that's disobedience. That means that's rebellion. That means that you're going your way and not going God's way. So you're out of fellowship with him. Not meaning that it's broken. It means that you're going your way instead of God's way. So Josiah wanted to do it God's way. He didn't want to do it his way. Or he didn't want to do it the way the ancestors was doing it. I'm going to ask you today, are you doing things your way? Are you doing them God's way? Are you taking the word of God for what it is? Or are you just going in it and reading it and say, I've done what I need to do? We have to understand that the more you get before the Lord, the more things begin to change. The more things begin to open up in your life. The more fellowship you have with him and through his word, just like Josiah, he got into, he heard the word and he wasn't only hearing it, but he was being a doer of the word. Faith come by hearing, hearing come by the word of God. I'm not going to hear only, I'm going to do what I heard. This is why y'all, we're in a time dealing with this pandemic, just like, just because we're wearing masks don't mean that we're not subject to God. It does not mean that we don't have faith in God. It does not mean that I'm not the healed of the Lord and I'm dependent on the mass to keep me protected. No, it means that I'm obeying the law of the land. I'm doing what the law of the land is telling me to do, but I, it don't change my identity. It don't change who I am now that I'm in Christ. So we got to know now that we're in Christ, we have everything that we need. And it's not based on us. It's based upon him. So when we live the life we have now that we're in Christ, then we will see change come in our lives. But it takes the word of God. The word of God is what brings change in our lives. Go with me to First John. And I want y'all to hear this in First John. Beginning at the first verse. Listen at this. First John, the first chapter, beginning at the first verse. It said, that which was from the beginning. Let's stop there. That which was from the beginning is talking about Jesus. Jesus was here before anything was here. Before anything was made, he was here. That which was from the beginning. He was here before anything was here. That's why he said, before Abraham was, I am. He was letting them know I was here before anything was here. So our dependency need to be on a God. Our dependency need to be on a Savior. Our dependency need to be on the Word of God. Because the Word of God was here before anything was here. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away. He said, but my Word will remain it will stand my word is forever settled in heaven you got to understand the importance of the word so they started out in the beginning in the beginning that which was from the beginning they were talking about jesus in the beginning was the word the word was with god the word was god so we see that in the beginning jesus was here before anything was here So why wouldn't we depend on him before we depend on anything? 
He made everything. Without him, there was nothing that was made that was made. Have we ever really thought about that? He made everything that was made. So we have to have our dependency on him. Then he goes into which we have heard. First of all, you got to know that he was here before anything was here. And then they begin, they heard him. He said he was here before anything was here, which we heard. So they heard Jesus. They heard Jesus teach. Jesus sat down and he taught them. So they heard him. And then he said, which we have seen. They seen him. So they're saying that Jesus, the word came and took on flesh. He said we didn't only hear him, but we seen him. So this is where we need to be, y'all. We need to know that he was here before everything was here. How does that help me? Because when things happen in this world, I have to know that it's going to take the word of God to upheld, to uphold everything. So I have to use the word of God when trouble come. Because guess what? The word of God is going to take care. He's a present help in what? In the time of trouble. So I'm hearing him. He said, we have seen him and with our eyes, which we have looked upon. Now, seeing that seen and looked upon is different. So you can see somebody in the flesh, right? Like I'm seeing apostle now. But when I look upon apostle, I'm gazing at apostle. And I'm gazing at her and my eyes is not off of her. I'm just steady gazing. I'm just steady looking at her. Why am I gazing at apostle? In that way, because I'm trying to understand her. I'm listening. I'm hearing. I see her in the flesh, but I'm gazing upon her because that's a listening mode. That's a figuring out mode. I'm trying to figure her out. So my eyes are on upon her and I'm just steady gazing at her. I'm not letting her get out of my sight because I want some understanding concerning her. I want to get to know her. So I'm watching her every move. Come on, when you gaze at me and when you gaze at them women. Or at your wife. Let's see your wife. Maybe that come out wrong. I don't know. Anyway, when you gazing at your wife, you gazing at her because you're trying to figure her out. And sometimes... My husband can gaze at me and he, and I know you trying to figure me out or I'll gaze at him and I'll shake my head sometime because why did you do that? So when you gaze and you look upon a person, you're trying to understand that person. You're trying to perceive that person. So they were looking upon him, but guess what's the next thing that they did? Check this out. And our hands have and our hands have handled of the word of life let me tell you about that handle i'm gonna go here so y'all we're dealing with the ears we're dealing with the eyes right now we're dealing with the hand these are natural things right this is part of your five senses but what they were doing when their hands handled him remember oh um thomas when he didn't believe that jesus was in the place and Jesus told him he had to come and touch. He had to come and feel. Or when he told them before he ascended in Luke 24, he said, you can touch me. He told them to touch him. That's a, a grasping, a groping. That means that you're feeling that person to see if they're real, right? So when you're feeling upon something, you're getting a feel of it. It's becoming real to you. You're feeling that thing, right? So they were hearing, they were seeing, and then they were feeling Why was they putting all that in there? Because he was being made known 
unto them. Let's go to the word for us. How many of us, when we get into the word, are we ready to hear? When we get into the word, are we ready to see what we're hearing? Come on. When you're saying, by Jesus stripes, I am healed. Okay, you're saying it, so you should be hearing it, but are you seeing yourself healed? Have you grasped that? Have you looked upon that? Looking upon it is trying to understand. So let's say that's meditating on, by Jesus stripes, I am healed. By Jesus stripes, I am healed. So you begin to see yourself healed by what you're saying, right? Paul say, I only believe, what did he say? I only speak what I believe. So if you're speaking it, you got to be able to see what you're saying. So when we take the word of God, we don't just read the word of God. We're saying, God, I want to be able to see what I'm saying or what I'm reading. So this is what they were doing. And then they go on to say, for the life was manifest and we have seen it. That life was made known unto them. Sometimes we'll take the word of God and it hasn't been made known unto us. We're just speaking it. We don't have no revelation. We don't have no illumination. But when we get revelation and illumination from the word of God, we can speak it with confidence because we've been there. We had an experience with the word. So they're telling them, this is what we seen. This is what we heard. This is what we touched. We were eyewitnesses to these things. But the verse I want to get to is verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. How can I declare something unto you that I haven't experienced for myself? How can I bring the word to you if I have not been in it myself? Some people read the word and they get up there and try to teach something they just read. I can read a bunch of scriptures and I can go get references to those scriptures. But what do they mean to me? Have those scriptures enlightened me? Have those scriptures quickened me? Have those scriptures given me revelation for me to live the life that I need to live here on the earth? If they have not, I'm just giving you some head knowledge, but it's not in my heart yet. So you just can't take the word and just speak the word without knowing what the word is saying unto you. That's when you are coming into fellowship. You want to make sure that you understand what that word is saying. You don't just want to throw it out and add to it as you go because you don't want to take away from it and you don't want to add to it. So you want to spend time with the word so that word can become a part of you. When the word become a part of you, it's no act no more. When you're speaking by Jesus stripes, I am healed. You live in your life healed. In spite of what your body is saying, that's not taking away what the word has already said. God, I don't go on how my body feel. I go on what your word said. I am the healed of the Lord outside of how my body feel. My body just ain't caught up with the revelation that I have received. But once that really gets into my heart, y'all, my body don't have a choice but to follow what the word is saying. The more the word get into you, that's why the Bible says, pay attention to my words. 
Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart for their life unto me because I have found them. And their help unto all my flesh. Why? Because I'm spending time. I'm in fellowship with the word of God. So I know what belongs to me. I know my father loved me and he don't want me sick. He don't want me depressed. He don't want me oppressed. So when I come into fellowship and know these things, I'm living by what I know. And that's why the enemy don't want you to fellowship with God. That's why he put things in front of you for you to fellowship with more than you fellowshipping with God. Because a fellowship is like a participation. It's a sharing. It's a communion. It's a coming together. So whomever you come together with, is what you're going to become. The enemy know that. That's why he put things in front of us to keep us out of the word of God. He put things in our home in front of us. Cleaning the house. Which we know we should have been cleaning the house. But he, it'll pile up. Then all of a sudden, well, let me clean my house first. And then I'll get into the word. It's gone then. That's why we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto us. So when we put God first and foremost, guess what? It won't take us as long to clean that house as it would before we started. Why? Because we put in God first. We in fellowship with God. God, I want to put you first. The thing that gets me, y'all, all of us have done this. We make sure, some of us, That we're on time for work because we want to be paid. We want to make sure our bills are paid. We want to make sure we stay in alignment with what they want for us on that job. Is that not true? Come on, let's be honest. We go by their rules. We go by their guidelines. We know what they want, so that's what we do. And we want to do everything we can do to get a raise so they can see what we're doing, right? Is that not true? On these jobs, we make sure we're there on time. We make sure we clock out when they want us to clock out. Or or, or when they have overtime to get more money, some of us go and get the overtime. Come on. Or when the boss says, oh, you're doing good. You're doing such a good work. Can you stay over a few hours? Sure, boss. I'm going somewhere. So we do everything we need to do on that job because we need our money. As my cousins say, I need some money. We need that money, right? So we do what they want us to do, even when we don't like it, people. Don't we do it? Why? Because we want the money because we know we have to pay the bills. That's for some of us. But some of us with the mentality thinking, I don't need the work. I can borrow money from everybody else. Your mentality is screwed up. I can just sit home and I can call around and see who can help me. Your mentality is screwed up because if you're in fellowship with God, he said, if a man don't work, he don't eat. That's a busybody in everybody else's affairs. So we know on the job what we're supposed to do, right? And some of us take it for granted, but some of us don't take it for granted because we don't want to get fired, right? So we're really in fellowship with that job. We're participating. We're sharing in what they're sharing. We're trying to come into unity with that job so we'll be on one accord, right? 
Why is it when it comes to the word? We don't have time to get in it. We don't apply what it's saying. We don't want to know our benefits of what we have. Right? So we just leave God out, totally out the picture until something happens on the job. Now some of us want to put God in the midst of that. And now we're asking God to help us to keep the job. Where am I going? We put other things, some of us, before we put God. And we put more care in those things than we do when it comes to the word of God. The devil wants you to spend more time on your job. The devil wants you to spend more time with other people than you do with God. The devil wants you to spend more time shopping. The devil wants you to spend more time with things of the world instead of spending time with the kingdom. Because he knows the less time you spend with the kingdom, the more harder it is for you to get in connection with what God wants you to have. And that's why you have these grounds dealing with your heart. This is why you don't see 30, 60, and 100 fold. It's because your heart has become hardened to the things of the world instead of coming more sensitive to the things of God. This is why we have to check ourselves, y'all, on a daily basis. The word will help you do a check. The word will help you to show you where you are. That's why you got to come into fellowship with God, to fellowship, to commune with him and participate in the things that God will have you to participate in concerning the kingdom of God. And y'all, it works. Because the more time I spend with God, um, the more loving I can be. The less time I spend with God, the more hateful I can be. Come on, you got some hateful people that save because they're spending less time with God and don't know what the love of God is. The love of God blesses those who curse you, love those who hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you and know how to keep your mouth shut. See, that's how you know who's been in fellowship with God. They ain't like a roller coaster. Keep going around the same mouth. Come on, somebody. The more time I spend with God, the more humble I get when it comes to things that's going to pop up in my life. The more prepared I get to do what God will have me to do. That's the fellowship that we're supposed to be having with God. The fellowship that I have with him, I begin to talk like him. I begin to walk like him. Come on, the glory of God begin to shine upon me. And they know I've been in the presence of the Lord. This is why Peter, when they sing Peter's shadow. And they laid the people out. It's because the presence, the glory of the Lord was upon Peter. Why? Because Peter spent so much time with God and spent so much time with the word and fellowship that when they saw Peter, they were seeing God. Who do they see when they see you? Come on. We have to ask ourselves, who are they seeing now? The life that I'm living, is this life representing him or is it representing me? Come on, pride is not God. Where there is pride, there will be a fall. The more I get into the word of God, y'all, the more I begin to see him and no more me. That's why I've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. 
And the life I now live in the flesh, I live according to the faith of the Son of God who died for me and who loves me. So if I'm in fellowship with God, I'm going back to 1 John. If I have the fellowship with God, if I have experienced him through my fellowship, he have made himself known unto me. Guess what? I can give you what God has given me. And as I give you what God has given me, we can become in fellowship. See, some people are fellowshipping with people that are not saved. I'm going to go there. Once you get born again, once you have a relationship and a connection with him, you're going to begin to separate yourself from those that you used to hang with. That means you don't party no more. You don't go out with those same friends you used to go out with no more. You can't do that. Why? Because you made a connection. You in relationship. You in fellowship with God. Now, if you are fellowshipping with them, it should be concerning Jesus. You should be sharing with them what you got from him. You should be sharing with them the word of life. You should be sharing with them the message of life. You shouldn't be talking about the same thing they talking about. You shouldn't be talking about, I need a man. You shouldn't be talking about, I need a woman. You shouldn't be talking about, I need this and I need that. You should be talking about, since I found him, I am complete in him. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Before, when I didn't have him, I was looking for anything or anybody. But now that I have him, I am satisfied. I'm not lonely no more. I'm not trying to find things to fulfill me. Why? Because I'm in him and he's in me. I made a connection. He's divine and I'm the branch and my nourishment come from that vine. So I'm staying in contact with that vine. I'm abiding in him and his word is abiding in me. And now I can ask what I will. And he hears me because it's according to his word, not according to me. So you begin to separate yourself from things of the world that will defile you. You have to separate. You cannot be amongst them. Now, of course, on your job, you are amongst people of the world. That's different. But you don't hang out with them. You don't hang out with them because whoever you hang out with is what you're going to become. Just like we look in the word of God, you cannot be unequally yoked. You cannot. Some people are getting married, saved folks are marrying unsaved folks. That's against the word of God. And if you in fellowship with God, you would know the difference. Nobody would have to tell you that. You would know what God liked. You would know what God disliked. You don't get married to a person just because they treat you good. If they're not in covenant... If they have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you cannot accept them as your husband nor your wife. Come on, somebody. Then if you do get married and both of you are sinners and the other person gets saved, the one that's sanctified is going to sanctify the other. So see, when we know what the word says, we know it because we are in fellowship. And God want a fellowship. He want to have that fellowship, and he got that fellowship back through Jesus Christ. But what's blocking us 
from having the fellowship the way we need to with God is allowing other things to get in front of God. So we need to check ourselves, church. And we need to ask the Lord, who or what do I have before you? And when you ask him that, don't think that your Abba Father will not show you. He'll show you who or what you have before him. The more you get into the word, the more the word get into you, that's how you're going to live. And it's not a hard life. That's just who you become. Your talking change. Your walk change. Your appearance change. Everything about you begin to change from the inside out, not outside in, but inside out. You know what to say and how to say it and when to say it. You won't be talking about in and everything no more. Your talk, your walk, everything will be different because of the fellowship that you're having with the Father. Again, the enemy does not want you to have this fellowship. That's why he's given you anybody and everything for you to focus on instead of focusing on this word. The Bible said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's when you'll be able to prove. That's when you'll be able to know what the good and acceptable will of God is for our lives. Jesus made a way, y'all, for us to come back into relationship and fellowship with the Father through the shedding of his blood. So because of that blood being shed, we can come to God boldly and with confidence outside of us. Because my life is hidden in Christ. God don't see me. So when I've come before God, it ain't about me. It's about what Jesus done on my behalf. So God, I'm coming to you because I know what belongs to me. And that's why I can command healing. That's why I can command prosperity. That's why I can command blessings. That's why I can command peace. Everything I have is in him. So I'm saying I command what belongs to me in Jesus' name. Why do I use it in Jesus' name? Because his blood was shed. That name has power. And everything got to bow down because of him and not because of me. So the more fellowship I have with God, the more I know what I have in him. In him I live, in him I move, in him I have my being. Y'all get in the fellowship. Nobody have to tell you to call somebody and say, forgive me. Get in the fellowship. Nobody have to tell you to give because it's given unto Get into fellowship and people don't have to be stagnated all the time. That's why Joshua say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's why me and my husband have to stay in fellowship. This is why we have to be on one accord. This is why the more time I spend with God, I don't know how to treat my husband. According to the word and not according to how I feel. The more time he's spending the word, he'll know how to treat his wife. The reason why we're not treating each other the way we need to be treated is because we're not in true fellowship with the father. When you're in true fellowship with your father, you're going to do what your father would have you to do without somebody telling you. Now, you know. Now, it's been 20 years and a person been telling you for 20 years to forgive. And you still ain't done it. That tell me where you not. 
Because if you get into this word, light is going to shine in the midst of the darkness in your life. You People are not going to have to tell you not to sit with this one, not to go here, not to go there. People are not going to have to tell you let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Because the more you in fellowship with God, the more your whole life and mindset change. You ain't going to hang where you used to hang. You ain't going to want to, y'all, I have been in places. I can walk in and I can feel the darkness. I can feel the way people think and how they perceive me. Why? Because when you're clearing the glory of God, the weight of God, God lets you see what's in that atmosphere. He lets you hear what people saying without people saying it. But you coming in with the love of God. So you got the love in the midst of all. But when God tells you, you don't need to be there, I don't care who it is, you don't go there. You stay home. And when you're around a person that have darkness around them, the light in you is supposed to what? The light in you. Either it's going to draw them or drive them. I'm going to say this. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. I have to connect to my Father on a daily basis, y'all, through the Word of God. And let's say, I'm using me and my husband for example. Let's say my husband, no, he's not, no, he's not, no, he's not. Let's say my husband is a drinker or a smoker. But no, he's not. And... I'm connecting with God on a daily basis, right? So the more I connect with God, the more of God is revealed to this man. And it's going to come a day. He's not doing it, y'all. Don't go out there and lie. It's going to come a day when this man, because he's around all this glory or vice versa, he ain't going to want to drink no more. He ain't going to want to smoke no more. Why? Because he's respecting the God that's in me. Ain't no way somebody can hang around you and you about your father's business and they can still disrespect the God that's in you. We have a person that they will be around me and my husband. Y'all, this person cuss like a sailor. But when they come around us and be popping out, popping out, this, oh, 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 forgive me, forgive me. You know why they can say that? Because the life you live, It's going to speak for you. And they're not going to disrespect the God that's in you. See, this is why the more fellowship you have with God, the more people that are around you, they're going to respect the God in you. And they're going to know, oh, no, you can't do that around them. No, 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 no. Put that away. Put that away. Because they see the life that you live in. They see the change in your life. But if you come around and they say, hey, you want some of this? Now, the devil tempt you, too. To see where you are. But if they're doing that more often, you need to go back home and say, wait a minute, God, is my fellowship off? God, is there something that I did that I shouldn't be doing that I haven't recognized that I have hardened my heart to? Because God, that's not who I am and that's not who I want to be. See, the supposed, the more fellowship you have with God, guess what? Everything around you began to be exposed. 
And you begin to see things the way you need to see them according to the way God is seeing them. So, y'all, we really need to get in fellowship. We need to get into the word of God more. And that way we can come together one with another more. The reason why we have divided churches is because you got one side believing one thing and the other side believing another. Because that side that's not in agreement is not in fellowship with God the way they need to be. And I mean their fellowship is not broken, but they're not spending that time. They're not participating in the things of God even the more. Can two walk together unless they agree? If we're in fellowship, we're supposed to be in agreement with each other. So God is telling us today, we need to get in fellowship with him. So the things that are going to come upon this earth, the more fellowship we have in him, guess what? We don't have to worry. Because we know our father. We know what his word is saying. Yes, worry comes, but we can get rid of worry through the word of God so the peace of God can come upon us. Amen. And when the peace of God come upon you, even in the storm, you at peace. So let's have fellowship with him. And when we have fellowship with him, we can have fellowship with one another. That's what this verse is saying. And verse 3, 1 John, verse 3. He said, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We can't even fellowship together unless we are on one accord according to his word. According to his will. When we have disagreements, we settle it according to the word of God. That's being in fellowship, y'all. What takes us out of fellowship with each other is not doing what the word of God tell us to do. So when you're going through with anybody, you need to go into the word of God and say, God, show me me. Show me what you want me to do according to this word and not according to me. Because Jesus shed too much blood for me to have hate. He shed too much blood for me to have unforgiveness. God, we've been reconciled unto you through the blood. We've been sanctified unto you through the blood. We've been justified unto you through the blood. We've been redeemed unto you through the blood. We've been healed because of the blood. So when we know what the blood has done, what Jesus has done, y'all, we should not let these barriers that Jesus done away with with sin block us from doing what God would have us to do. It's time to go into real fellowship. It's time to get into the word. Let the word get into you. And we can come together as the family of God, walking together and agreeing. It's too much disagreeing in the body of Christ. It's too much of it. And the reason why is because the one that's spending time in the word of God is seeing what God wants. The one that's spending less time is coming against the ones that's in the word because they don't know what the word is saying. So they're causing havoc in the church. And guess what? They're Miriams. They had to stop because of Miriam, because the leprosy was in the camp. Because Miriam began to complain and murmur. And then she added Aaron to and Aaron had a choice and he went along with Miriam. And guess what? Leprosy come on Miriam. So they had to sit there until Miriam was over. What? Come on. Look what's happening in the church. We get stagnated because somebody got an attitude. That's why God have people in twos. So we can keep it moving. So when one is down, guess what? 
The other's supposed to lift them up, but sometimes people don't want to be lifted up. They want to be left alone. But we keep it moving according to the word of God. So let's get into fellowship with God to know what God wants. To understand his way of doing things. Let's spend time with him. Let's get up every morning and say, oh, Abba, Father, I know you're here. So what do you want me to do today? Father, your servant is here. I hear you, God. Speak, Lord. Speak what you want for me today. Oh, y'all, it's so good. It's a longing and seems like you can't do without it. God, I can't do without you today. And you can fellowship with him all throughout the day. You can talk to him all throughout the day. Lord, what, what do you say about this? God, what do you say about that? God, look at these people. These people act like they lost their mind. They ain't lost their mind. Okay, God. He'll correct you too. See, when the more time you spend with him, he'll come back. And he'll let you know. No, 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 no. Call him back. Call, call Willie back. Call Brother Willie back. Okay, do I have to? <laughs> See, Willie, y'all, and I'm closing. The more you fellowship one with another, y'all know Willie and Sister Nice fellowship with me and my husband, right? We'd be the last ones in this church sometime, and then we'll go eat. They'll say, where y'all going to eat? Where y'all going to eat? It don't matter where y'all want to go to eat. Sister Nice said, I don't even want to go there, but I just want the fellowship. Now, you know what fellowship means, don't you, Sister Nice? Says so Nisa, I want the fellowship. I don't want none of that food, but I just want the fellowship. So then we start fellowshipping, and then Lisa, Melanie, she come fellowship. I said, don't pay them to no mind. That's just, just how they do. They just funny people that just get you laugh. I said, especially Willie. But we have nice fellowship. And it's not a putting on just to put on. It's just when you get to fellowship and you get to commune with people, you know their demeanor. You know how they act. You know how they sound. You know when they're getting into something that should, right, Willie? When they're getting into something they shouldn't get in. You know you can look at them and say, hush, Willie. Now, nah, now, nah, just hush. Willie, you're digging a hole. Hush, Willie. She's going to pounce on you, Willie. Hush. Willie, start up again. You on your own. That's fellowship. So Willie and his wife, they know me. They got to know me and my husband. They know what I like. They know what I dislike. So if they tell you what I like and dislike, it's because they fellowship with me. Don't get mad. You can fellowship with us. You can sit with us and fellowship. But if you don't ask me for the fellowship, that's what fellowship is. Apostle, she be there with the fellowship. They ask the apostle, apostle say, I ain't getting in now. I ain't, I, I, I ain't getting in that one. Pastor know when to get in. She know when not to get in. Then when the whole table gets silent. Help us, Lord. <laughs> Somebody done lost fellowship because ain't saying nothing. <laughs> Do y'all know what I mean? Give you an example. The Lord is using this for somebody in this room. Y'all waking up now. We was fellowshipping and we went to a restaurant. And we went to a restaurant, the server, which was this girl, wasn't so nice. I can't remember the whole thing, but I had asked her something, and she wasn't that very nice about it. Now, them two right there, Sister Niece and Apostle, they wanted to get her nicely. I said, no, leave her alone. Because she was nasty. 
But through me having fellowship with God and humbling myself, even in the midst of her being wrong, guess what happened, y'all? The next time I saw this young lady, she come up to me and she said, forgive me. I was wrong. I shouldn't have said what I said. I had a bad day. Forgive me. What am I saying, y'all? Fellowship with God is a must. Because if I wasn't in tune with God the way I needed to be in tune, I would have got both of them stirred up too. Get her. Don't lose her. Just get her. Just hold your Sister Nisha, you hold an apostle, you get her. And Willie and my husband, hush. But because of fellowship, y'all, we can all have that good fellowship. The more you get in the word, it ain't about having picks. It's about fellowship. Ain't no picks. It's about fellowship. Come on, I see Nay all the time. Hey, Nay. Hey, Pastor. Be in the same restaurant. We fellowshipping from her table to my table. Hey. What am I saying? Who y'all? The more you get in here, the better you get. From glory to glory to glory. Here, here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. Y'all, it's good. Come on, get into fellowship so we can all fellowship with one another and be on one accord and loose jealousy, loose envy, loose pride, loose offense, where people can talk to you without you thinking they're talking about you because they ask you a question. The reason why you do that because you're in condemnation. The enemy got something on you. Come on. He took you out of fellowship with God and he got you suspicious. He got you thinking because I said hello, I know what you did last night. That don't mean I knew what you did. You knew what you did and God knew what you did. Don't put it on me. Why you ask me what I do last night? Well, what you do? See? So this is why we need to stay in fellowship. Stay in fellowship with God. It is a good thing. God is preaching the same thing every Sunday just in a different way. So we thank God for the fellowship that we have with him through Jesus Christ, through the blood that he shed. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. Isn't he a wonderful God? And I believe somebody probably had more to say on fellowship and relationship. But I just brought it out that way today. So whichever way you got it, thank God you got it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Do we have any announcements?